sung to our great God, who we sing praises to. And it is he who is our refuge and strength. It is he who, as we learn, as we journey through this world, it is he who is a very present help in times of trouble. And we learn that, don't we? We're taught that. We're taught that as we go through this life. We're taught the truth of what's stated here in verse 1. He is our ever very present help. He is our refuge and our strength. And none but the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God incarnate in the flesh, our Redeemer, our King, and our Lord, is our refuge. It says here in Psalm 46, verses 1 and 2, to the chief musician for the sons of Korah, song upon Almoth, God is our refuge and strength. Now that's a statement, that's just truth, isn't it? There's no question there. He's our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Let us always remember that when we go through trouble or trials, that he is ever-present. It'll bring us great comfort. Therefore will we not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Take note of the next few verses and we'll see how the church of God, God's people, make our boasts. and tribulations. He is ever again ever supplying his people with just what we need. With just what we need. He's an ever flowing river, isn't he? He's an ever flowing river. And he gives his people comfort in times of joy, in times of sorrow, and in times of tragedy. Look at verses 3 to 5. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the midst, or tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and that being the church. She shall not be moved. He uttereth his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Note there in verses 3 to 5, Though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river of the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. Next, in the next few verses, again, we have the declaration of the great works of our Almighty God, who is the all-powerful one, who is absolutely sovereign. And he delivers his people, showing and proving his greatness and his absolute dominion over all things. 
the heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttereth his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariots in the fire. So we see there a declaration right there before us of the great works of our almighty God. He's absolutely sovereign, isn't he? He's absolutely sovereign. His power and his sovereignty having been manifested, he commands all to be still and know that he is God. Look at verses 10 and 11. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. So his power and his sovereignty having been manifested, we who are the people of God are told to be still. Be still before our God. That's a hard thing for us to do, isn't it? It is. (laughs) But we're commanded. We're commanded to be still. The Lord's in control. No matter what we see come, be still. Know that your God is in control. Know that he's absolutely sovereign. Know that. Be still and know that I am God. Look at this. And this isn't a question of maybe. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. He will be. And he is exalted, isn't he? By Not only by his mighty works, but we exalt him in praise, don't we? In glory for what he's done. Oh, yes, God's people do. The church proclaims, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. This is what we proclaim. The last verse. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. And Selah just means pause. Just pause and, and wonder and awe. Just pause and wonder and awe. Selah. Just pause. Now often you hear people talk. When you hear people talk about God. And who he is. You will find as. One commentator said, when you start talking to most people about God and people in religion or just people in general, when you start talking to them about God and about who God is, as one commentator said, and it's true, their thoughts of God are too human. Their thoughts of God are too human. They think that he's like them. They think he's like them. But we boldly proclaim the sovereignty and the supremacy of our great God. And his thoughts are not our thoughts, are they? Not at all. And his ways are not our ways. There's a lot of dishonor and degrading things being said about God in religion and about the rule of our great God. And this is why even more in this time we live in, we need to proclaim the supremacy and the sovereignty of our God. We need to. 
We need to proclaim this. And we also need, we also need to just be still before our God. But we need to proclaim who he is, don't we? We need to proclaim who he is. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 50, verse 16. The same indictment was brought against an apostate Israel who thought that God was like them. Psalm 56. In that same indictment that was brought against apostate Israel, the fact that thou thoughtest I was altogether as thyself, can also be brought against many who profess Christ even today, but don't know him. Look at this in Psalm chapter 50, verses 16 to 23. But unto the wicked God saith, What hast thou to do to declare my statutes, or thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth? Verse 17. Seeing thou hatest instruction and castest my words behind thee. When thou sawest a thief, then thou consented with him and hast been a partaker with adulterers. Thou givest thy mouth to evil, and thy tongue frameth deceit. Thou sittest and speakest against thy brother, thou slanderest thine own mother's son. These things hast thou done, and I kept silent. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether as one as thyself. Now this is spoken again against those who were mere hypocrites in Israel. But I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me and to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. But look at verse 21 there. These things hast thou done. And I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such as one as thyself. That's the problem. People think God's just like them. People think God's just like them. People have a low opinion of who God is. And this is why gospel preachers, this is why we proclaim the supremacy and the sovereignty of God. And whoever gets up and teaches does the same thing. Because that's who the God of the Bible is. He's absolutely sovereign. He's the supreme one, isn't he? He's the supreme. Matthew Henry brings forth about this verse. Sinners take God's silence for consent and patience. When, when it says, "Thou these things have I done and I kept silence. They take God's silence for, for consent and patience for convenience. And therefore, the longer they are reprieved, the more their hearts are hardened. But if they turn not... They shall be made to see the error when it's too late and that the God they provoke is just and holy. He's not like us. He's just and holy and terrible, Matthew Henry goes on to say, and such a one and, and not such a one as themselves. He nowhere, he nowhere like them or like us. No, he's holy. He's just. So men have cooked up in their minds a God of their own imaginations, a God who's just like them. They think that God's power is thwarted by Satan. You hear, just listen to them. They'll tell you that. They think that God's power is thwarted by Satan, and they think that Satan can thwart God's purpose or plans. But in doing this, what do they do? They just prove they don't know the God of the Bible. That's what they prove. 
They're telling you that. They're telling you. They don't know who he is. And some foolishly think that if God had formed any plan or purpose at all, then it must be like, like we humans, uh, constantly subject to change. Our plans and the things we purpose are subject to change, aren't they? Everything we plan is subject to change. But always remember, you who are the children of God, that, that God's ways are not our ways. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And nothing he plans or purposes can ever be changed. And that's absolutely wonderful, isn't it? Because if I'm in Christ, that's never going to change. Oh, what joy that can fill my heart with. And some even proclaim that God can be thwarted in saving a sinner. Some even claim this. They lift up free will. And they say, surely God will never violate man's free will. I've heard it so many times it makes me sick. But people say that all the time. Well, if God does not move in our lives, if he does not exercise his absolute power, then we'll never be saved. That's the truth. Because man's will is a slave to his nature. And if you're dead in trespasses and sins, which is how we're born, then your, your will is a slave to your nature. And you'll never choose God. And you'll never come to him. But oh, God makes us willing, don't even Praise God he does. Praise God we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. We who are his people. And the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth. He came to this earth and redeemed his people from their sins. He, he actually came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. And he went to Calvary's cross and he bled and died as a substitute of his people. He really did this. Praise God he did. And you know what? He'll not lose one. He'll not lose one of the sheep that he, that he died for. He'll not lose one of the sheep that was given to him in the covenant of grace by the Father because God's plans and purposes never change, beloved. And he's almighty. He's he has supremacy over all things and everybody. That's our God. That's our God. Always remember that God cannot be thwarted. Always remember that. No matter what we see in the news, no matter what we see going on in the world, God cannot be thwarted, beloved. His plans and purpose can never be thwarted will never change. Why? Because he's almighty. He's absolutely sovereign. And again, our plans and our purposes are subject to change, but his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts, and nothing that he does is subject to change, beloved. Nothing. Think upon this. And, and also think upon this, not only are his plans not subject to change, but there's no one who can thwart his hand. There's no one who can stop our God. Now, when you compare that God there in the Bible that we just talked about, and you compare about the God who people peddle and say, 
say, uh, my mic went out, so I got to stay, who say, who say God can, God want, has done all he can do, now the rest is up to you. That's a lie, isn't it? That's not the God of the Bible. Oh, the God of the Bible. When God saves a sinner, you know what that sinner does? He gives glory to the God of the Bible because he knows it was all him. It was all God. God saved me. God did it all. He gets all the glory. He gets it all. All of it. So think. Think of the supremacy of our great God who is the one true living God. And so clearly brought forth in the verses that we read, we are but clay, beloved, in the Almighty's hands. He's the creator, and we are but molded into what he desires. What he desires. God's people are called vessels of honor. It'd, be, it'd do us good to remember that. I know it'd do me good to remember that, wouldn't it? Because we don't think much of ourselves, do we? But, but the scripture calls us vessels of honor. Isn't that amazing? That's absolutely stunning. I don't feel like a vessel of honor, do you? But that's what we're called. You are his blood-bought people. It's absolutely marvelous. We're, we're receivers of his mercy and grace. And it's all come to us in and through the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. And think of how supreme our great God is. We're but creatures of his hands, beloved. We're but creatures of his hands. And to revolt against him, you know what? If, if all, all of heaven, if all the created beings in heaven, and if all the people that ever lived on the earth revolted against our great God, it would take no effort for him to destroy us all. No effort at all. Nothing. He'd but speak a word and we'd all just disappear. That's, that's how great our God is. That's how great our God is. Now think of this in light of how we do not get what we deserve. Think of that. We don't get what we deserve. What mercy is poured out upon God's people, eh? What mercy is poured out upon us? We who are the blood-washed saints of God. What mercy, what grace we've received. If God could just destroy everybody without an effort, what mercy we've received. What grace we've received. Turn, if you would, to Psalm chapter 2. The scriptures proclaim that when the Gentile heads unite with the apostate Israel to defy Jehovah and his Christ, in Psalm chapter 2, and think of this in light of how Herod and the Jews and Pontius Pilate and the governors of Judea who represented the empire we're all against Christ. What does our God do? Look at this in Psalm chapter 2. Now remember, this is the God of the Bible. Psalm chapter 2, verse 1. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? And people rage against God all the time, don't they? Oh my. Imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying... Let us break their bands asunder and cast their cords away from us. One of, the, one of the commentators again said, Think of this with Herod and the Jews and the Pontius Pilate and, uh, who represented the Roman Empire. They were all against Christ, right? Look at this. Look at verse 4. 
Look at the response from our great God. And look at this, beloved, with reverent fear. For who our great God it really is. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. Shall laugh. <laughs> it's nothing to him. He'd destroy him if he wanted to. Right? The Lord shall have him in derision. They're in confusion. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sword displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill as I, and that speaks of Christ. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, in the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, and shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. You ever dropped a, you ever dropped a, a, a clay pot or, or even a piece of glass? Watched how many pieces it shatters into. Some pieces are so small you can't even see them. That's what God will do. That's what God does to his enemies. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, just a little. Blessed are they, look at this last portion, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Every blood-bought saying to God can say, I'm blessed. The scriptures tell me I am. Blessed are they, are all they that put their trust in him. So we see the contrast here in, in Psalm 2 between the creature and the creator, don't we? Oh, verse 4, our Lord laughs at their attempts to thwart him. Here have them in derision. God's almighty, beloved. He's absolutely supreme. Turn, if you would, to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And the scriptures proclaim, all through the scriptures is proclaim the supremacy of our great God, the supremacy of him over all creation, <coughs> over all creatures. First Chronicles 29, verses 11 to 13. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power. What a statement. And the glory. It's his. He has all the power. He is the great one. And he has all the glory and the victory. No one will ever thwart him. No one. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Remember, we're but creatures of his hands. He created us. Thine is the kingdom. He's the king. O Lord, thou art exalted as head above all. Look at this in verse 12. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thy hand is power and might. And in thy hand is it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. You know how people say that, that, that well, when Christ comes back, then he'll reign, right? That's what people say all the time. 
But look what the scripture says here in verse 12. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. When's he reigning? Right now. God ain't waiting to reign. He reigns right now, beloved. Our master reigns right now. Right now. And, and who's he reigning over? All. He's reigning over all. This wonderful verse here proves that our Lord Jesus Christ is not waiting to reign. No, he reigns right now. And you know what? He'll reign forever. <laughs> He'll reign forever, beloved. Forever. The natural response for the believer in knowing this precious truth is we proclaim with the saints in verse 23, Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. That's all we can do, eh? When we, when we realize this, when we come to know this precious truth, all we can do is praise his name. That's all we can do. Oh, he's had mercy on me. Praise his name. Praise his name. The beloved of God, we give thanks for the mercy and grace which the Lord has bestowed upon us. Turn, if you would, to Second Chronicles chapter 20, and we'll read in verse 6. Second Chronicles chapter 20. We'll read verse 6, this wonderful verse here. <coughs> and then we'll break it down a little bit. Second Chronicles 26. And said, O, o Lord God of our fathers, art, thou, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? So let's break this verse down a little bit. O Lord God of our fathers, art thou not, art thou not God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? Note, he rules. Doesn't say he's waiting to. It says he rules. He reigns. And there has never been a time when he has not reigned. And there will never be a time when he does not reign. His reign is an absolute reign. See, our God is supreme in all things. In all things. And his rule is an absolute rule both in heaven and in earth. Look at the rest of the verse. And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none, and that means not even the devil, and not even any human being, not any created thing at all, is able to withstand thee. Wow. That's the God of the Bible. That's the God of the Bible. That's the God of... That, that we preach and proclaim. That's the God we serve. That's the God, the believer says, who saved me. So that none is able to withstand thee. Is it any wonder then that the scriptures declare who shall separate us from the love of God? No one can, can they? Because he keeps us. So think upon this, all the angels fallen and the ones who are holy are all subject to our great God. 
Think of this before him, presidents, kings, emperors, popes, and all of humanity, whoever will be, or whoever has been, or whoever will be, are all subject to him. As one person one time said, there is not a maverick molecule in all the universe. Everything is under his control. Everything. Think of that. Everything. Scripture declares a wonderful verse. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whatsoever he will. That's what God does. That's what God does. And note the contrast between the truth of the Bible and what some people who are proclaiming that God wants to save but cannot. Note the contrast. And see if those who say such things are not lying. Let's look at that verse again in Second Chronicles 20, verse 6. And said, O Lord God of our fathers, art thou God? Art thou not God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee. That's God. That's the true God right there. None is able to withstand thee. None. Let God be true and every man a liar. We who are his creation were like grasshoppers in his eyes. Turn, if you would, to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Oh, my. Isaiah chapter 40. We're but grasshoppers in his eyes. It's proclaimed in Isaiah, starting in verse 21. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 21. Have ye not known? Have ye? Have ye not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have ye not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as the grasshoppers that stretches out the heavens as a curtain. And spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. You remember when you were walking as a kid? And grasshopper jumping in front of you. <laughs> Just a little thing, eh? That's how we are. In the eyes of our great God. We're just a bunch of grasshoppers, eh? It's just a, it's just a picture to, sh- to give us an idea of how great our God is. That's all it is. A word picture to give us a, an idea of how great our God is. Oh, he's so great, beloved. We're like grasshoppers. That stretches out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. That bringeth the princes to nothing. He raises up kings and takes them down. He raises up leaders. How many leaders and dictators in our life have we seen? Gaddafi and Saddam Hussein just gone. Raises up, takes them out, puts someone else in power. Oh, my. He's got absolute supremacy. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity, 
Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth. He shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither. They're gone. And as the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. To whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? There's no one like our God. There's absolutely no one like our God. And the supremacy of God is displayed in the fact that he does whatever he pleases. Turn, if you would, to Job chapter 23. Job chapter 23. We're getting near closer. Job chapter 23. Look in verse 13. The supremacy of our God is displayed in the fact that he does whatever he pleases. Job proclaims this in Job 23.13. But he is in one mind, and who can turn him? And what his soul desireth, even that he doeth. God does whatever he pleases. Now think of that in light of our salvation. It pleased God to save us. It's marvelous. It's absolutely marvelous. And then over in Job 42, it says this, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered things I understood not, things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Job 42, verses 2 and 3. Beloved, our God rules and reigns. He's absolutely supreme. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. And think of our God's supremacy over all things. Again, he does whatever he pleases, whenever he pleases, with the armies of heaven and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does whatever he pleases to do. Think of this. A few things to consider before we close. At his bidding, the ground opened and all the guilty rebels went down alive into the pit. At his bidding, the Red Sea parted and the walls stood up. The water stood up like walls. And the Israelites walked through dry land. And at his bidding, that water crashed down on the enemies of God's people and destroyed every one of them. He spoke and the sun stood still and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. And his supremacy was also manifested when he made ravens carry food to Elijah. When he made iron to swim on the top of the water. When he closed the mouths of the lions when Daniel was in their den. All this manifested the supremacy and sovereignty of our great God. His supremacy was manifest when the fire did not burn Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were flung into the the furnace. The Lord does whatever he pleases, beloved. And in the New Testament, the absolute universal supremacy of our God is also proclaimed. We're told in the book of Ephesians that he worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Turn there and when then we're closed. Turn there, Ephesians chapter chapter. 1 verses 10 to 12. Oh my. He worketh all things according to his own will. And this shows the Lord's absolute supremacy. Ephesians chapter chapter 1 verses 10 to 12. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth even in him. 
in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of, the, of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Now quickly note the word worketh there in the Greek. The definition for this word means to work effectually. To work effectually. Truly, what we have looked at today and all through the scriptures, the supremacy of God is on full display and, and what a resting place it is for God's people to know that our God is absolutely supreme and he always ever will be in full command and in full rule. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Pray that you be glorified through the preaching of your word and magnified today as we look at your scriptures. We love you and praise you and thank you for your mercy and grace continuously towards we who are your born-again, blood-bought people. In Christ Jesus, our name, we, in, 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 we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.